Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Happy Friday, Blue Jays fans. Brendan Panikar in the driver's seat tonight with the other driver in the passenger seat this week, Craig Borden. How are you, sir? I guess I'm a shotgun seat driver. Not You're a shotgun, seat. buddy. <laughs> Be right up at the front. It's all good, man. I don't care where we're at as long as we're talking Blue Jays baseball and looking forward to spring, man. Yeah, I mean, after, uh, after last week and last week's episode on Friday as well, there's a whole lot to be excited about, and that's why we have a very special guest from the line, Mr. Borden. We have our good buddy, Jason Lee, who Jason has Jay's journal title of the Hunjin Ryu beat writer for 2020 yet. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for having me, guys. I mean, I knew um, we were trying to schedule this for quite a while, but I'm happy that we finally got together and got a time uh, where we could just chat about our favorite team. Yeah, absolutely, buddy. Anytime. You always got a slot here. Usually it's about a monthly thing where we get you on the show and figures that, uh, man, you were getting some uh, some pretty good hits and pickups uh, over the last month. Why don't you give us a little bit of background into the uh, whole Shun Yamaguchi thing before we get into the even bigger stuff of CBC and the Hanjin Ryu stuff. How did that all come about, Jason, when you found out about the Blue Jays signing of uh, Shun or Shun Yamaguchi? Yeah, I mean, I was, um, there's this really big site um, in Korea where they um, cover all baseball stuff uh, uh, regarding the MLB and I was just scrolling um, around and then it was like 3pm or something then and then I saw the headline Toronto Blue Jays sign Yamaguchi to a two year deal then I click on it and it said it was quoting a Japanese media outlet so you know I checked on Twitter and nobody had said anything or tweeted anything about it so I just said you know, breaking according to Japanese media, Blue Jays sign uh, Shun Yamaguchi to a two-year deal. And then that kind of um, uh, exploded on Twitter, I guess. And then, yeah, so it was a lot of fun uh, being the, uh, one of the first uh, people on Twitter to break that news. And then that exposure got me um, some good traction with all the Hyunjin Ryu stuff I've been covering recently as well. For sure, for sure. Now, Craig, we haven't discussed Shun Yamaguchi a whole lot on our podcast, just given when we've been recording over the last little while and the fact that Travis Shaw and Hunjin Ryu have both signed uh, within the past week. So why don't we give a little bit of love and attention to Mr. Yamaguchi. Craig, based on what you know, what do you envision the role for Shun Yamaguchi on this team being? And then Jason, I'll tee you up after that with the same question. Yeah, so I, 
when I saw this move, Brendan, I was excited because I think we got a guy that's very Scott Downsy as far as what the mold could be. He's going to give you some innings in the starting rotation. He's going to have some solid innings in the bullpen. I think he's got a nice peak in the middle of that role, you know, plus pitches all around the board. So, plus, he's a veteran. You know, the guy's 32, and he's been playing since he was 18 in the Japanese high contributor the last few years. And he was about the average age in the league. So, good stuff for the Blue Jays. Jason? Yeah, I mean, um, he's an extremely quality reliever. And then I think he moved over to starting. And then he was amazing there as well. I mean, he's one of the he was one of the top pitchers in the Japanese league. And I think um, in terms of how he fits on this Blue Jays roster, I think for now he's maybe the sixth or the seventh starter. And we'll see him likely start the season in the bullpen. But I think it's really reassuring um, that the Blue Jays have a high-quality replacement for when one of the pitchers inevitably gets injured or struggles. And, you know, last year they were having Edwin Jackson and Nick, guys like Edwin Jackson and Nick Kingham making starts. And then, you know, compare that to Shunya Maguchi, who's been one of the best pitchers in the Japanese league. It's, um, it's really reassuring to have that high-quality backup this year. Yeah, guys, I think the common thing that we're going to see with Yamaguchi throughout spring training is, you know what, I bet he goes into camp with an opportunity to win the fifth spot in the rotation. I think if all goes right and according to plan, then Ryan Barucki is your guy that comes out of spring training with that fifth spot. And he picks up where he left off in 2018, only made those two starts in 2019 with all those arm issues. Guys, do you kind of see spring training playing out that way? Because we'll get into it later in the episode, but with the Ryu signing, the trade for Chase Anderson, bringing back Matt Shoemaker and signing Tanner Roark, that pushes so many guys further and further down the totem pole. You go back and look at the way the season ended in September, all four or five of those starters who were taking turns to the rotation likely are beginning the season in Buffalo, except for maybe Trent Thornton. So, Jason, my question to you is, given all these additions to the Blue Jays' rotation at the big league level, do you see a collection of guys that we saw last year, like a Trent Thornton or a Jacob Vegas pack and newly added Shun Yamaguchi, if they don't come away with the fifth spot, do they have big league jobs out of the bullpen, an area they haven't really addressed yet? I mean, it's tough to say. Um, it's tough to see where this front office envisions those guys playing. I mean, in addition to the guys you said, obviously there's Anthony Kay as well. There's uh, TJ Zoic. Like, there's so many options, high-quality options that the Blue Jays have for the fifth starter spot. And I think with the younger guys, like I mentioned, Anthony Kay, um, TJ Zoic, maybe even Jacob Weges back, you could send them down to AAA and then have them continue to develop there. Um, but then... Um, at the same time, you're definitely going to see some of these guys in the bullpen. It's just um, the Blue Jays have to make the right decision as to who they envision starting in the future and who they envision in the pen. Greg? It's going to be fun to see where they put everybody. I really think that they just got so many starters now that are on that cusp of being in the major league level. And I love the moves that they've done with this rotation that we're obviously going to be talking about more on this show on this show but the fact that it it takes everything and slides it a little bit right you got some high-end talent now with the free agents that we've signed and then you got guys that it's like okay great now we just have this endless shuffle that can go on with guys that are in that last couple spots in the rotation or even bullpen spots could anybody really argue if we ended up having anthony k come out and air it out for a couple innings out of our bullpen just to be a solid lefty this year I don't see that being any kind of an issue because as far as development goes, yeah, you might not get as many innings this year, but he's getting major league reps. 
that's good stuff one way or the other, isn't it, fellas? I think more so with Kay compared to other people. He'd probably be down in Buffalo. But I think they envisioned him long-term. But I can see, guys, I know as a lefty, and I totally understand where you're coming from there, Craig. And it, it does make a little bit of sense it, uh, for sure, especially considering that they're down a lefty right now with um, uh, Tim Meza going to be out for the year. I guess my initial reaction would be if there is a starter that we saw last year ending up in the bullpen to airing it out, it would be a Vegas pack. Maybe Trent Thornton, because they had Thornton come out of the bullpen and have an opener start uh, ahead of him whenever it was Thornton's turn through the rotation. So my guess is the higher ceiling guys, like Zoic, Kay, obviously Pearson, uh, and maybe Thornton, uh, or maybe Baraki, uh, depending on how his arm is feeling, will start in Buffalo to keep them aired out there and be ready for depth if needed. Goes for obvious normal reasons, but I just think there's so many pitchers now, and they haven't filled in that bullpen outside of Yanaguchi. So maybe that's where you put some of these talents. I don't know. Random idea. For sure. No, for sure. It's definitely something that I'm sure will be discussed uh, as spring training rolls along. So, Jason, you had one little bit of news on Sean Yamaguchi come out. You've got credit for that for sure. But that, as you mentioned earlier, led to some further exposure when Hunjin Ryu was signed by the Toronto Blue Jays. And you were on here and now with Gil Deacon back on the 27th of December, the day that Hunjin Ryu was introduced to the Blue Jays media. Why don't you give us a little bit of background on how that all came about and how was the experience? Because I've done a few radio hits before and it's kind of nerve wracking because you want to come across as knowing what you're talking about, which you obviously do and did. I listened to your, your piece right before we hopped on. You're very good, spoke well, but it can be nerve wracking. Why don't you give us a little bit of background on how that all played out? Yeah. I mean, it was, uh, I worked out, ended up working out perfectly because uh, I, I don't live in the GTA area, but my family and I were uh, in Toronto for that day. And in the morning, a uh, producer at uh, CBC Here and Now contacted me and asked me if I could um, come to the studio uh, for like a five minute appearance on their show. And I said, yeah, why not? I mean, it's an incredible experience just to have that um, on a resume or something. And so uh, I was extremely nervous, like you said, before um, I stepped into the room. But as soon as I stepped into the room and then got comfortable, I mean, I was just talking about Blue Jays baseball, which I love to do. Um, so it was uh, everything normal. Um, I think they wanted um, a Korean Canadian perspective on the signing. And I just hope that I offered that uh, pretty well. But you definitely did. I know Craig and I both listened to that before. We hopped on tonight, and you did a fantastic job. I think you had to hit it out of the ballpark. But let's let's, let's stick on Hunjin Ryu there. And, and Jason, I'll get your thoughts on this first, because Craig and I dived into this, obviously, at length on our last episode, where we were finally having reason to be excited. Jason, how big of a get was this for Ross Atkins and Mark Shapiro? Because Tanner Mark, Chase Anderson, they're now down toward the middle parts of the rotation, which definitely suits them more than at the upper spots of the rotation. How excited were you when you found out that uh, Hanjin Ryu had signed with the Toronto Blue Jays? Uh, it was just incredible. I mean, obviously, the baseball aspect itself is incredible just because he's an extremely talented pitcher and he's a guy that can lead the rotation. But I think for two other reasons, this was an important move that the Blue Jays had to make. 
Uh, firstly, it signaled to the fan base that they were committed to winning. I mean, I know um, a lot of people on Twitter were not happy with this front office. There's a lot of tension there. Uh, but then as soon as this uh, signing, news of this signing broke out, you know, you saw the opinion start to change on Mark Shapiro and Ross Atkins. Uh, it signaled that the front office, you know, just wasn't bluffing. They were actually committed to building a consistent uh, winner in Toronto with this Kenjin uh, Ryu signing. And I think it's the first step uh, towards reaching that goal. And then the second reason is obviously just the marketing aspect. When, wherever Kenjin Ryu goes, he just brings a community of Korean fans with him, uh, both in Korea and in the GTA area. And then I know myself and other Koreans uh, living in Canada, it's just something to have extreme pride about. And uh, you're going to see a lot of Korean flags in Rogers Center this year whenever Kenjin Ryu makes a start. I can only imagine how busy it's going to be on opening day when Hanjin Ryu tows the rubber. There's probably going to be a whole bunch of added ticket sales, given the fact that it is opening day, but it'll be reused for a start with the Toronto Blue Jays. Craig, did you have anything you wanted to build on anything that Jason said there? Maybe touch upon the the Twitter animosity and all the anger that people had towards this front office. And, and has that started to change? Have you seen a change in Blue Jays' Twitter since Ryu signed with the Toronto Blue Jays? It's amazing how much a couple weeks changes everything, Brandon. Because as far as the Twitter sphere is going for Blue Jays baseball, everybody's kind of all of a sudden upbeat about everything. Kind of almost like we kind of got the big fish. We're ready to run into this season. Everybody's very excited for the you know 2020 spring training. Kind of like we're almost like with hockey and uh, baseball, football, basketball, football, get hurry up and get over with so we can get the spring here. <laughs> and um, as much as I don't want to say that with my Bills being in the super or in the playoffs this year, I was gonna say <laughs> I'm putting it that way. No, <laughs> but um, it's just, and I'm really looking forward to that opening day performance. And I just don't see. I'm looking forward to seeing all the Korean flags and the Japanese flags and everything. I think it's a pro- appropriate spectrum of what Toronto is as far as the culture goes. Now this team is starting to represent that a little bit, and I'm sure Jason can attest to that. And he, I know he talked about that on his radio spot the other day. It's just, it's good. It's going to be crazy seeing how many added fans are going to be at the Rogers Center when Hunjin Ryu toes the rubber. I think we're going to see a little attendance spike, maybe not a significant amount, but maybe by maybe an average of 1,000, maybe 1,500 or 2,000 extra people every five days when Ryu takes the mound. Jason, the one kind of drawback to Hunjin Ryu throughout his entire career, and you touched on this on your radio spot with CBC, is the fact that Hunjin Ryu, outside of 2013, 2014, and last season, has had some serious arm issues in the past, whether it's a shoulder or other injuries, kept him out for a large portion of 2015, all the way until he came back in 2018, where he did pitch really well. That would be the only drawback at this point. How much of a risk is it that the Blue Jays sign Hanjin Ryu? But I also think I, I definitely agree with what you said on your radio spot in terms of if you can get 160 to 180 innings out of Hanjin Ryu, then that, then that will be worth the contract, don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even if you look at the seasons where he wasn't pitching 200 or even 180 innings, I mean, in 2018, I think he pitched 80 or something innings and then still was worth uh, something around 2 uh, F4. And it's just as long as he gives you, you know, 25 to 30 starts uh, over the course of the season, the Blue Jays are going to get 
their value out of this contract. And maybe we see something like we saw with Kawhi in Toronto. Maybe uh, there'll be rest days where Hyunjin Ryu gets a breather, and I think that will help him immensely. Um, down last year, towards the end of the year, I know he struggled. He said there's some fatigue involved. He said he was tiring out uh, near the end of the season. And then if we see something like Blue Jays doing something like the Raptors did with Kawhi, I think um, there's absolutely no problem with Hyunjin Ryu uh, pitching those 160, 180 innings in the regular season. And then with proper rest, he'll be fine for the playoffs in the future as well. You know, and Craig, I'm going to turn this over to you, just given on some of our earlier conversations tonight on this episode about all the abundance of arms. Jason, you just brought up an incredible point. I can totally see them doing something like that. Maybe every few turns of the rotation, they put a thick starter in there, and especially so when Nate Pearson gets to the big league level because they are going to be super cautious with Nate Pearson's arm. That gives two people in the rotation where you're going to have to pay a little extra attention to to make sure they're healthy in a Nate Pearson and a Hunjin Ryu. Craig, can you see them employing something like that where maybe every once a month or, or, or every three or four turns through the rotation, then you see a guy like an Anthony Kay or TJ Zoic or Jacob Wegespeck come up for a spot start or two uh, to give some of these guys a break uh, through the rotation. I think with the fact that we are at that level, we are at the tipping point where there are guys that are in the minor leagues that are at that major league possibly ready set, you know, they're going to have options. We can play with it for this season, bring them up, let them go back and forth, and at least it's a very short bus ride from Toronto to Buffalo. And worst case scenario, guys, Buffalo's got another team that's going to be insanely loaded this year, especially with arms. But I really think that this quasi six-man rotation is going to show itself a little bit this spring because they're just. I really think that Barucki and everybody are going to come to the spring training this year, and it's going to be gangbusters, man. There's just going to be everybody pushing each other around for rotation spots, and I think they have the right content of characters there with all those people that they are going to keep trying to one-up each other not out you know push somebody aside purposely or anything like that it's a good environment that they have for this young team as far as collective people i think and it's very cool to see and i think somebody like hyunjin ryu actually comes in and is a perfect veteran in presence for this guy's been to the playoffs and i don't know how many of you guys have seen the videos on mlb.com of him doing freaking uh, going full k-pop <laughs> with clayton kershaw and company <laughs> in the locker room and going to gangnam style and everything but as far as it goes i think he's a great personality to be plugging in with all these young players because he's going to have fun and he's going to go out there and show what he can do every day and that's what all these guys need to do this season and i think we're going to surprise a lot of people because of it so I want to bring up something on that, just in terms of what a personality he is. Uh, in the clubhouse, sitting in the dugout and whatnot, it's clear he was a lo- beloved Los Angeles Dodger. There's a lot of Dodgers fans who are very upset that Ryu is gone, not just for the fact that he was such a good pitcher when he was healthy, but also what a character he was. Guys, one thing that I keep on seeing pop up on Blue Jays Twitter is Yasiel Puig. And... In looking at Yasiel Puig's StatCast page, his Fangraphs page, I'm not sure why people are so gung-ho about potentially bringing Yasiel Puig in here because him and Teoscar Hernandez are basically clones of each other. They had pretty much identical seasons in 2019. We do know that the outfield is a spot where the Blue Jays could definitely use an upgrade, specifically in center field. And Jason, I'll tee you up with this one. 
Is Yasiel Puig even an option now that they have Hunter Ryu? Because those two got along so well with the Los Angeles Dodgers. The clubhouse could be a lot of fun with those two reunited. But in my mind, I'm not sure why people keep on trying to beat this Yasiel Puig drum because you already have Yasiel Puig and T. Oscar Hernandez. Yeah, I mean, just to touch up on the relationship with uh, Ryu and Puig, I mean, it was it was even famous in Korea. It was actually uh, Ryu, Puig, and Juan Uribe before he retired. And those three just loved each other. They loved um, uh, playing tricks on each other. You could see them, you know, having uh, fake fights in the dugout during games. I mean, it was just an <laughs> incredible relationship that they had. But I definitely agree with you, Brendan. Um, he's a guy that showed incredible potential early in his career. We thought he was going to be a superstar, but it didn't turn out that way. And right now, he's still a very good player. I mean, he's a guy um, that will give you uh, uh, consistent output throughout the season. But at the same time, we already have, you know, average, a lot of average outfielders. I mean, we have Tiosca Hernandez, obviously, but where are you going to put Derek Fisher? Um, Are you going to release him after that big trade? Or where are you going to put guys like uh, Randall Grichik went if you sign Yasiel Puig? Are you going to um, ditch the Kevin Biggio in center field experiment? So I, I agree with you, Brendan. I don't see this being a move or a long-term play even uh, signing Yasiel Puig. Greg? In short, no. I just don't he doesn't fit the where this team is going in my opinion. And if it, you're bringing in somebody like Yasiel Puig at this point, he, in my opinion, is declining, and it's very noticeable. This guy came on and set the world on fire, and I kind of was shocked that he was doing it the whole time. Like It was kind of like, okay, the whole time it felt like to me, regardless that he's a really cool person as far as what you know, like we were talking about with the Ryu and everything uh, situation there. He's an awesome character, and I loved the stuff he was doing as a PR person basically for the Cincinnati Reds prior to last season. It was hilarious stuff <laughs> online. But I just don't see how in any shape or form he fits this outside of the fact that he's best friends with with Ryu. I just, not in pa- paper. It doesn't make any sense to me unless it's like a minor league deal and he's never going to sign a minor league deal. He's not. He doesn't think he's anywhere near the end of his career or he's fallen off a cliff or anything like that because he is super athletic. I just do not see a reason that you can bring him into this clubhouse with all these young budding talents and have somebody that's blocking some of those young talents. 1.2 F4 in 2019 for Teoscar Hernandez, 1.1 for Yasiel Puig. It, actually, sorry, there was that 1.2 where I got confused was Teoscar Hernandez had a weighted range created plus of 102 and Yasiel Puig of 101. They're the exact same player, so I'm not sure why Blue Jays fans on Twitter keep on clamoring for this reunion. It'd be cool, and I'm sure that would only add to the fire uh, and excitement of the Korean media and uh, South Korea as a whole with the Hanjin Ryu signing, but we'll save that for another time. I'm glad we're all on the same page there, gentlemen. Let Teoscar play. So, <laughs> yes, yeah, you, you got to write it in. Don't shoehorn him quite yet because he has some hot streaks. He has some terrible streaks, but you get the exact same thing with Yasiel Puig. <laughs> but just, one more thing I want to kind of touch on, uh, touch on before we give Travis Shaw some love because that was a really, really under-the-radar signing by the Toronto Blue Jays. Craig, I know we touched on that a little bit last week, but probably haven't given it as no- enough love as Travis Shaw deserves. Uh, the last thing I want to touch on in relation to Hunjin Ryu is the fact that Scott Boris was up in Toronto for a free agent signing 
for the first time in what feels like forever, or probably forever. Wasn't he's obviously represented ever. Blue Jays. <laughs> he's been here before with Aaron Sanchez, but not on that kind of like a level. But yeah, we can call it his like first ever time here. Um, there are levels of Blue Jays fans on Twitter that were kind of shrugging off the Scott Boris comments and the fact that he's like, oh, why the hell is he here? Uh, I don't believe anything that he's saying in terms of the Blue Jays are being major players. They could be major players next year. And you saw some people that were saying, hey, it absolutely matters that the super agent that represents superstar talents in baseball legitimately believes that free agents will start wanting to sign in Toronto with the young core that they've established, the fact that they could be good as soon as 2020 and 2021. It absolutely, in my mind, matters that he's seeking a ton of good things about this organization and the direction that they're heading. Craig, are you more so on the fence of, it doesn't really matter, kind of shaking it off, or is there some stock that you should put into the comments that Scott Boris has made about the Blue Jays organization? I'm leaning 60-40 good because I honestly think he's full of shit. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But the fact that he actually was praising our organization for a change after – literally what bashing us since Carlos Delgado is still suiting up in an Angry Bird jersey I just can't imagine the fact that he would do a U-turn that super duper quickly but it does at least show some hope kind of like we kicked in the door on possibly being able to sign giant you know players like Hyunjin and everybody like that that are gonna fall under the books of of Scott Boris and knowing that the Blue Jays are ready to open up the pocketbook and at least initiate these conversations with somebody that's a Boris con- or a agent, you know, it only speaks to where I think the team's going and where is where we're on the t- cusp of, right? Everything is moving up at this point and the Blue Jays future can only be good for it. And if he's ready to start praising that as the agent that he is on the level that he is, Brendan, like I said, for right now, I'm in that waiting to prove me different stage. Like, it's kind of almost too good to be true. <laughs> so, maybe it's just me. Jason, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, watching that press conference with Scott Boris there, I think uh, the big thing that uh, stood out to me was he kept mentioning the royal youth. I mean, Vladdy, Bichette, uh, Biggio. And I think when free agents, and especially the top free agents that Boris represents, look at the Blue Jays, they're going to see an up-and-coming team with a ton of financial flexibility. And I think this Hyunjin Ryu signing just shows that if the Blue Jays are willing uh, to pay up, both in years and in dollars, I think that there's absolutely no reason why they can't attract the biggest free agents uh, like like they've done in the past. Um, So I think that having Boris uh, say those comments is extremely important for the future. And I think it just opens up a ton of opportunities when the Blue Jays um, are ready to commit more money to these big free agents. No doubt. I think people who are shrugging off Scott Boris's comments as being fluff uh, or are not putting any stock into it are kind of fooling themselves. It absolutely matters that the super agent representing superstar talent uh, having good things to say about this organization is a good thing. But, Craig, I also can uh, 100% agree where you're coming from, too. It's like, yeah, we'll see what happens uh, if the Blue Jays continue to pay you and your clients. Because, yeah, the Blue Jays got Scott Boris over the $1 billion mark in terms of money that was signed. So, obviously, he was in a good mood. I hope he picked up the tab at dinner when they all went out after the press conference <laughs> uh, following the 100 thing. 
Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I know we touched on this last week, and somebody brought it up. Yeah, James Paxton, who's going to be a free agent next year, a Canadian, is represented by Scott Boris. You never know. If Scott Boris is already raving about that, I'm sure it won't, wouldn't be a hard sell to James Paxton to come pitch for the Toronto Blue Jays if they're in on him and Scott Boris is representing him, giving so all no of those rave reviews. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> come on back and throw some more. Come on, we got Absolutely. this. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, guys, it, it, it's, it is exciting. It's crazy what one big freeze and signing will do for a fan base on Twitter. This fan base is for the most part, done a complete 180 from where we were before the Ryu signing uh, in terms of people just continuing to hope and pray that something like this would happen. It finally did. I haven't seen too much Marsha Pyro or Ross Atkins slander since. Probably still basking in the Ryu signing. But there was another Korean signing gentleman, Craig, we touched on it last week, is Travis Shaw. Happened earlier on Sunday. Ryu was late Sunday night. I was already asleep. But Travis Shaw, earlier on Sunday morning, the day they signed Ryu, one-year deal, $4 million bucks. The one thing that we uncovered last week was that he is not, or he's still arbitration eligible, so the Blue Jays do have him under control past this season. So in a way, kind of like a two-year deal for Travis Shaw. I got asked this question today on Twitter, gentlemen, and I'll start with you, Craig. At Rian Gupta 10 asked me, I'm curious on a scale of 1 to 10, how likely do you think Travis Shaw has a bounce-back season in 2020? I'll give my answer after you two uh, give yours. Craig, let's start with you. Can it get any worse? <laughs> if he's working on his mechanics <laughs> like he says he has been, and that was the reason for the fall-off last season, starting off your season with bad mechanics, man, it's just it, it's it's the t- tip of the iceberg, right? You just see this little thing going on. Okay, maybe I'm making some progress, but really there's this giant thing just ready to wreck your boat underneath. <laughs> and if he wasn't right the whole season – it doesn't shock me that his whole season got derailed into the point where the Milwaukee Brewers were like, yeah, it's okay, we'll go after Justin Smoke. It doesn't shock me at all that this happened. But as far as Travis Shaw's upside, this guy was basically an all-star for two seasons with the Milwaukee Brewers before he fell off a frickin' cliff. There is no reason in hell I can't believe that he can't get at least half of the way back there to justify this contract. This is a show-me-what-you-can-do contract at $4 million, guys, isn't it? It's nice we got an extra year, but... In all reality, this was him taking a bet on himself being able to get better for that one-year contract and hopefully get something good out of arbitration, right? Mm-hmm. Jason, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, when the offseason started, guys, I had two names that I really wanted the Blue Jays to take a look at. One was Travis Shaw, and then the other was Alex Wood. And it's because both of those guys uh, were incredible players prior to the 2019 season. And then they obviously had down ears. But then I thought that both could make an incredible bounce back season in 2020. So I think if I had to put a number um, on the probability of Travis Shaw bouncing back, I'd say 7 or 8 out of 10. Because I was reading a lot of stuff on him. And I think uh, the main problem, uh, like Craig suggested, was a mechanical, um, mechanical thing in his swing that really ruined his whole year. And I think it was because he wanted to um, elevate his launch angle obviously with all the launch angle revolution that's been going on recently. But we've seen it in the past before. We've seen guys try to tinker their swing, uh, get a better launch angle, but it's actually worked um, against them. And I think as long as Travis Shaw knows uh, what mechanical changes he has to make to go back to his 2017 and 2018 form, I think there's no reason why he can't be an incredibly productive hitter for the Blue Jays. 
Jason, I think you read my answer to this guy. <laughs> I, you know, I, my exact response to this guy was, I'll give it an 8 out of 10. Sean knows what went wrong last year. He fiddled around with his swing to the point where his launch angle was 24.4. Years prior was no higher than 16.6. So you nailed it. You absolutely nailed it, Jason. Travis Shaw definitely was fiddling around with something for whatever reason. I don't know. I know he, in the past, he hit a lot of ground balls. Maybe he was trying to avoid the ground ball. Uh, he's not a particularly fast player. But the one encouraging thing, as you said, Jason, he does know what went wrong for him in 2019. And by the time he figured it out, the Brewers were in such a tight playoff race for a wild card spot that they couldn't afford to have him continue to figure it out. After a season-long slump, they went with Keston Hayur instead, the, the young stud second baseman for the Brewers, getting some at-bats there at second base. But yeah, I think it is a perfect bounce-back signing uh, at only $4 bucks, with the chance for him to cash in in arbitration, get him another shot at free agency in two years' time. He could even be a trade ship at this deadline if the Blue Jays are kind of falling out of it by the deadline. Who knows? If Shaw bounces back, he could get a nice little bit in return. What I will ask, before we move on to some more front office or administrative stuff with some new analytics that this front office is going to have available to them, I'll give you guys a very quick uh, one to two word answer. Would you have been happier with Edwin Encarnacion compared to Travis Shaw? Jason, yes or no? Maybe. I like... I think there's de- I think there's definitely value of signing Edwin Encarnacion. I think there's a lot of still emotional attachment uh, with Blue Jays fans, and rightly so. And I think he's still an incredibly productive hitter. But I think that Travis Shaw's upside and um, his younger age are definitely the reasons why um, he's a better sign for the Blue Jays at this point um, in their trajectory. Okay. I'm going to go with why not both. <laughs> hey, yeah. Because <laughs> I love the Travis Shaw signing just because there is so much potential, and I really do not see him as the guy he was last year. I see him as the guy that used to wreck the Blue Jays as a, as a Boston Red Sox, even though there's like the what, one or two games he started <laughs> that week at that point in his career. And then he goes to Milwaukee and just completely sets the world on fire as a utility guy. I think defensively he's going to be better than Encarnacion would have been at first base with about the same bat where Encarnacion is in his career at this point. But the fact that you could have tandem these two guys in the lineup together as a righty and lefty combo with Encarnacion as a DH, I, that I feel like that might have been a missed opportunity, fellas. But maybe that's just how I feel. No, I was I was clamoring for both as well. I uh, Travis Shaw obviously with his positional flexibility. You can put him at second base. You can put him at third base, first base. He could DH and rotate there. Uh, there is room for both of them for sure, and I don't blame them for not signing both. But at the same time, I would have been over the moon had they brought Edwin Encarnacion back. But I, I'm with Jason. I think at this point in their respective careers, the fact that Travis Shaw has versatility, he's younger, there is a little bit more upside with Travis Shaw. And, he's, and you know what? I know everybody was getting on the front office for being cheap, Travis Shaw is at a much cheaper deal than Edwin Encarnacion. I believe Edwin got $12 million. Travis Shaw just 4 plus the option to get more in arbitration. But, yeah, it's, uh, it's been a very exciting last few weeks. It is, yeah. It's absolutely a very smart move. Uh, and it just continues to pile on to the decently good to quietly good offseason that this front office has put together. When you look at their whole body of work, 
they've addressed some holes in the bullpen with Anthony Bass and Shun Yamaguchi. They've added three arms to the rotation that weren't there last year in Ryu, Tanner Roark, and Chase Anderson. Uh, and they added a bat in Travis Shaw. So my question to you, both of you, Craig, we'll start with you, is what's next uh, for this team? There's still a little bit of Austin left. We got January, and then by the time February rolls around in four weeks' time, they'll be thinking about heading down to Florida for spring training, which is crazy to say. It's actually only about six weeks away. Winterfest is coming up. What would you like to see the Toronto Blue Jays do before they head down to Dunedin for the spring? Continue to bolster this freaking young team. And I think that there's a plenty of good little signings like this Travis Shaw thing that could happen or some sneaky trades that the Blue Jays could improve the outfield in their bullpen. And at this point... Guys, we have prospects up the wazoo. I think we're going to talk about one here in a few minutes, so I don't want to completely blow it. But (laughs) (laughs) there's just so much talent in this minor league system that you don't know who's going to pan out of this, guys. I think they need to eventually start thinking about that. It's great to have the guys you think are going to pan out, but there's some of these guys that could be peaking or whatever at this point. Trade them for something that we could use now, and it's getting to that point where we've had one of the best minor league systems for the past three, four years now. Let's try something. Roll the dice. We have a team that could compete as early as this year and be slightly ridiculous even next year. (laughs) Let's run with this and keep piling on it. Pour some gasoline on this thing. I don't disagree, Jason. Do you disagree or agree with Craig? Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree with Craig. I think the need, <laughs> now that we've um, addressed our pitching sort of, I think that the biggest need right now is a big bat and preferably a center fielder. I think we need, you know, a Josh Donaldson or a Jose Bautista, you know, that guy, that superstar who's an anchor in your lineup. Because obviously, Bo Bichette, Vladdy Guerrero Jr., and Kevin Biggio, uh, even Lourdes Gurriel are all incredibly talented hitters. But they're still young. They're going to have inevitably peaks and valleys during the season. And if you have the luxury of that anchor in the rotation, the guy who's going to give you consistent production throughout the season, I think it would go a long way into the Blue Jays um, trying to make a playoff push. Now, is that bat available in free agency right now? You could argue, I guess, Nicholas Castellanos or Marcelo Zuna is there. But I think the Blue Jays need even more than that because those two players come with flaws of their own. I'm with no doubt. No doubt. <laughs> yeah, me too. Bring me, bring me some of the, another big bat, especially if it's a, an outfielder, uh, whether it is a Castellanos or a Marcelo Zuna. Surprising that they both haven't signed yet. We'll see as we get closer. To you, how much training. of that do you think is and, because those guys are not some team's future rock? You know what I mean? They, like Jason was just trying to allude to there, the, the Blue Jays are searching for that guy that is going to be the staple, right? If you've got to trade for it, trade for it. But maybe that is like what we were yeah. talking about a few episodes, guys, uh, was uh, the Nolan Arenado thing will not go away in the news. <laughs> Throw oh, everything at it. That would, that would be incredible. That would be incredible. I highly doubt it. I know. But, I'm just saying, man, if, if, if I'm thinking about that, no, I'm throwing I, everything at something like that. You know he's going to be a perennial MVP. You make that work somehow. I don't know. Maybe it's just I, me. I can't see the Dodgers going after him. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. The Dodgers are t- uh, talking Mookie Betts and David Price, which would be crazy, and help the Blue Jays as soon as 2020. But no, if there was <laughs> any inkling that they could get um, Nolan Arenado, then pull the damn trigger and get them what they want. That's the rock, oh, that'd be that a lot of money to take on. Mm-hmm. That Absolutely it is. But that it definitely could be. Cassianos and Ozuna are uh, 29, I believe, both of them. Maybe one of them is 28. Mm-hmm. 
but they're both getting up there in age. So that could be part of the reason why they are lingering on the free agent market. But uh, I, I, I wonder if they will make a play into either of those, perhaps if the price comes down as we move closer to spring training. And there is our segue. One for me. <laughs> Gentlemen, at spring training this year, I sent you both the piece that was posted on BlueJays.com by Alexis Brutnicki. The Toronto Blue Jays are venturing into new territories, looking to sharpen their analysis with Hawkeye. And this is brand new to them. This is brand new to us, so we'll see how long we can talk about this for. <laughs> but basically, what it is, is Hawkeye's synchronized multi-angle replay technology uses video to make a more in-depth picture than teams previously had access to. Joe Sheehan, the assistant general manager, said, you're seeing the seams on the ball and you're counting the seams and you're counting the rotation. That's a more accurate way to get that information than the radar system, so you're able to do more with it. You've got a more accurate representation of the flight of the ball, the spin off that, and you can do a whole bunch more stuff like exit speed, exit velocity, launch angle, all that fun stuff, backspin, whatever kind of things you think. Uh, can think of in terms of the ball being hit off that this thing can apparently tell you anything you guys want to add on this because i'm really not sure what kind of question to ask you guys because it's brand new to all <laughs> of I us need to put my engineering hat <laughs> on for a second fellas <laughs> yeah i think you, i think you do man why don't you Craig, minimum, guys, the, tell us. I, the minimum right now from reading what is actually on hawkeye's website the fact that the blue jays might actually get a fucking call in our direction if we ever have to actually challenge something actually is a good thing isn't it <laughs> at a minimum that's part of the technology is how everything's recorded around the around the stadium so being able to along with take the saber metrics kind of things like you were just talking there about exit velocity and have all that instantaneous data compiled overlaid with your ballpark that's a heck of an advantage i think for the blue jays as they're trying to even look at how even opposing opponent players handle playing in the rogers center and everything like that it's a nice little suite that they're going to be installing throughout this ballpark and i think this goes to what we were seeing even last season guys when they were taught playing with all the stuff in spring training they are trying to find a comp- competitive edge any way they can and i think this falls right into that where they're trying to develop their players and get them all the best information they can to become the best information or best players they, they can this is for some really cool tech that isn't anywhere near what the freaking Houston Astros were stealing from everybody. <laughs> so. Jason, did Craig did Craig do a good enough sell job for you there? <laughs> yeah, uh, I think the two. <laughs> <laughs> I think the two pieces of information that um, stuck out to me from that article was that, uh, firstly, it's an alternative to TrackMan, which uh, a lot of the teams in Major League Baseball have been using for the past decade, and then secondly, I think. The biggest point that I got from it was that it's going to give you a better sense of um, objectively placing value on a player's defense. So, I mean, that'd be really cool. I mean, obviously, up until now, it was very subjective. Uh, There weren't a lot of real clear-cut metrics that showed how good of a defender you were. But if the Blue Jays could use that technology to value a player's defense more objectively, I think uh, that could give them a competitive advantage, you know, when they're going for trades or when they're just signing players in the future. Yeah, if there's a new way to measure how good a player is defensively or give some more insights, there's really been no advanced stat website like a Fangraphs or a Baseball Savant that have really been able to capture how good you are defensively. So, gentlemen, I think we can chalk that one up to 
Yeah, it's great. This is like them taking that next step from signing the guy off Pitch Ninja, right? <laughs> yeah, the, the next step in the big picture. <laughs> that's right, that's right. But yeah, I mean, we'll see what happens. I'm sure we'll get another article or two about it from uh, Ben Nicholson-Smith or Shai Davidi or Arden Zwelling when they're all down in spring training and working with the new machine and new information that they have. So we'll save the rest of that kind of conversation and touch upon it maybe in March. Yeah, <laughs> might be that soon. But, yeah, it could be soon. You never know. But one more tidbit I want to quickly touch on, and I'll ask you both this question as well. Um, the one thing that, Craig, you pointed out in our little uh, in our little pregame huddle uh, before we hopped on was that Jim Callis' pick for breakout in the minor league baseball system this year uh, was Simeon Woods Richardson, uh, Toronto Blue Jays prospect who they got in the Marcus Stroman trade along with Anthony Kay. Uh, I mean, hey, guys, Marcus, trading Marcus Stroman turned into Woods Richardson, Anthony Kay, and Hunter Rio. Pretty good trade-off. Um, my question to the both of you is, are you in line with what Jim Callis is saying, or maybe give our listeners a potential Blue Jays breakout player in the minor league system this year that will really put themselves on the map uh, as the season goes along? Jason, why don't you start first? Uh, yeah, firstly, I definitely agree with uh, Jim Callis's prediction that uh, Simon Woods Richardson is going to have a breakout year. I mean, even when he was with the Mets, he, his stats weren't great, but his underlying metrics were incredible. And um, his stuff, you know, his fastball, his off-speed pitches are all incredible. So I think that maybe we could see him make the jump to double-A and even triple-A and have him ready for 2021. I mean, he's, he's still young, but the talent is there for him to become a friend of the rotation starter. But my pick for having a huge season this year is going to be uh, Jordan Groshans. He had an injury-riddled season last year and which kind of kept him low in the top 100 prospect rankings. But I think this guy's a legitimate middle-of-the-order bat. I think he could be an incredible piece that the Blue Jays have in the future. Maybe we see him, um, like Simeon Woods-Richardson, take the next step into double-A and triple-A. But I seriously see this guy tearing up the minor leagues this season. Minor league guru, what do you have for us? appropriate because <laughs> I'm gonna I got a couple I cannot <laughs> emphasize the fact that Jim Callis has a insane pulse to the major leagues uh, minor league systems and how it in every level for every team it's insane how this guy knows everything last year uh, Brendan you he called one of our favorites in Santiago Espinal being the Blue Jays right. breakout and in all reality you can make a very 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 good argument that he was probably one of the best breakout players in our minor league system last year this guy could be pushing for an outfield spot I don't want to see him in the outfield but I, he I gotta put his bat somewhere guys <laughs> but this season I agree that Simeon's Wood Richardson is going to be one of the big stars as far as all of a sudden you know, pitching craziness, I think, because he's going to have his coming out party, I think, with no problem here. And the fact that I think we have two other players that are slated to have further continuations for good building blocks. Eric Pardino didn't get really get a chance last year to really shine, and we know. I've seen him. <laughs> it's coming, and that's another ridiculous <laughs> arm that the Blue Jays have in their minor league system. This kid has got the stuff. I saw him when he was pitching in Bluefield, and he's really, really good. And I think he's going to have a chance to be fully healthy this year and really run with it. 
And then the other one, I think Griffin Conine could be in the conversation for a possible outfield spot if this picture doesn't change very soon because he's going to be on the accelerated quick path if he can hurry up and show that he was everything he was in a Lansing Lugnuts uniform last year, fellas. Isn't it exciting that all of our answers are going to be different? That we can touch <laughs> on so many different minor league prospects that the Blue Jays have that could break out, and they're all very legitimate answers. So you can't go wrong with any of them. And I'm going to throw two names out there, both pitched, uh, or actually one of them pitched, one of them was in the in the field for the New Hampshire Fisher Cats this year. And I'm going to go with a guy who really came out of nowhere last year, and that's Joey Murray, a guy who maybe doesn't have the same kind of upside as a Simeon Woods Richardson or a Nate Pearson or an Adam Klopfenstein or whoever else is down there in Vancouver, but a guy who really came on strong with the spin rate, and that's something that we constantly heard about with Joey Murray down in New Hampshire and as he continued to rise through the minor league system. I bet we will see him in Buffalo by probably mid-season, maybe around July, uh, or even maybe as a potential replacement for Nate Pearson when Pearson gets the call to the big league level at some point during 2020. So I'm going to go Joey Murray. And then the other one who kind of put himself on the map a few years ago, had a down season this past year, but a more so rebounding to put himself back on the map is Kevin Smith a guy that just two off-seasons ago, this front office was just raving about this kid's potential. Last year at this time it was. Uh, Kevin Smith was really on the Blue Jays' radar, had a ton of power, and they got off the rails a little bit last year, so I'm going to go with both of those guys. Um, but there are so many others, and we'll get into it as the off-season continues and as we go towards spring training. Craig, we keep on teasing this, but we will get into our minor league reviews and previews uh, and touch upon all these exciting prospects that this front office has gathered. But, gentlemen, it is extremely exciting that all of our answers can be different and nobody's wrong, isn't it? Very exciting for a change. Instead of just saying, Vo Blad Vigio. You can see Blue Jays' Twitter getting more and more educated and with it, too. The more that these people are talked about by Ben Nicholson Smith or by whoever it is, Rashad Davidi or Narden Dwelling or Mike Wellmer. Blue Jays front office has done a fantastic job of accumulating talent, and hopefully that's the start of what is going to be a very promising decade for the Toronto Blue Jays. And there's another segue, now two for me. <laughs> Damn you and your points. <laughs> I know. Hey, I'm the host. I'm in the driver's seat this week, buddy. <laughs> so that's pretty much all that's gone on lately. We touched on a lot of it last week and again this week in terms of Ryu and Travis Shaw. A little bit of uh, fun stuff there with prospects and Woods Richardson, etc. Let's look back at the previous decade of Blue Jays baseball. We're now in 2020. We had two playoff-bound seasons in 2015 and 2016. Both ended up in losses in the American League Championship Series. We had the excitement of the Miami Marlins trade in 2013, or I guess it would have been 2012, the offseason of 2012 to 2013 with the Marlins and the R.A. Dickey trade with the New York Mets. Craig, I'll start with you, and I'll go to Jason. Why don't you give? Why don't both of you give me two memories that just stick out in your mind that can be plays outside of the Bautista bat flip and Edwin's walk off? Because those will be for everybody. Why don't you give us two each of something that's different than that? It could be a trade that got you excited, a free agent signing that got you excited. What stands out for me from the previous decade of Toronto Blue Jays baseball? So I'm going to give you the first one here, and I think this is a changing of the guard. It was the Canada Day weekend that the year after we traded Roy Halladay to the Philadelphia Phillies, and he got the pleasure of coming back for Canada Day and pitched the Saturday game. 
and I was at the, that game. I enjoyed it thoroughly, and most of that was because I was listening to the assumption that I was going to see my favorite pitcher again. The fact that Jose Bautista just takes him to school <laughs> for a three-run home run in the middle of that game <laughs> had this wonderful changing of the guard feeling for me, and I'm like, you know what? Halliday might be gone, but we're going to be okay in the future. And as you mentioned, we were per- perfectly fine there in 2015 and 16 with his wonderful uh, antics and everything. So that worked out really well for Blue Jays fans. And then the other one, I have to say, I was at the Troy Tudelwinski Yankees series in that 21 pitch at bat that right oh, after the trade. That's a good one. I couldn't. I had goosebumps. I still think about it, and I'm just. It, it was that coming like that. This team is going to be insane. And that weekend where we all of a sudden had him in price, I just cannot think of anything better than that time in Blue Jays history, a recent memory. And it was insanely enjoyable to just happen to be already scheduled to be up in Toronto that week when we happened to just go, oh, yeah, by the way, Troy Tulowinski is now a Toronto Blue Jay. (laughs) Excellent. Jason, what about you? What are your two moments from the previous state of Blue Jays baseball that really stand out for you? Well, the first one uh, was all the way back in 2010. This was when uh, I was just 10 years old, and my dad was trying to get me um, interested in baseball. And uh, we were watching the Toronto Blue Jays versus uh, Seattle Mariners game, and it was Jose Bautista versus Felix Hernandez. Uh, Felix Hernandez is in his prime, and Jose Bautista was still searching for that 50th home run of the season. And just once he hit it, it was... I got goosebumps. It was incredible. It was definitely the first time that I felt that kind of, I guess, emotion watching sports, and it just really, really got me hooked into baseball. And yeah, now I'm, yeah, I still love the game, and I'm also, I guess, a part-time journalist because of it. So I think it's really important. I think that Jose Bautista gets a lot of love. I mean, obviously, the ending wasn't great with how he left the Blue Jays, but he's just in so many memories. Um, of my time that when I was watching baseball so I just really appreciate what Jose Bautista has done for the Blue Jays and yeah I just wanted to show him a bit of love there and then my second uh, memory was just wait I don't know when the David Price trade broke but I remember as soon as I saw it I thought we we could win the World Series you know we obviously had those big bats but we didn't have an ace and David Price was a guy that I saw pitched against the Blue Jays so well he dominated you know, seemingly every start that he pitched against the Blue Jays. And once I saw that he was actually coming to pitch for us, I mean, it was just a thrilling feeling because I thought, hey, maybe we could win the whole thing this year. I'm going to build on your David Price memory there because that was going to be one of mine. Not the trade or the day of the trade, but the fact that three weeks prior to the trade, me and two of my buddies, we were on a three, I guess actually a four-stadium road trip. We did Comerica, we did both Chicago stadiums, and we did Miller Park up in Milwaukee. And it's the 4th of July. We're sitting in the upper deck. Uh, afternoon start. Sunny, it's hot. We're hungover as hell. And David Price is absolutely dealing against the Blue Jays uh, on the 4th of July as a tiger against R.A. Dickey. And I turned to my buddies at one point and said, you know what? The Blue Jays stick in this race. How awesome would it be if David Price became a Toronto Blue Jay? And sure enough, three weeks later, after absolutely cooking in the sun, 
just completely dehydrated, David Price got traded to the Blue Jays. So that's one of my personal favorite memories, just kind of in a way calling the trade or the possibility of it even happening. But I think the one thing for me that really stands out was the Josh Donaldson trade. Obviously, there was some good stuff that I can think of prior to that. I mean, the Marlins trade was super exciting. Josh Johnson's debut, who I thought was going to be much better than he ended up being, uh, was a lot of fun. Bautista's inside the park home run. His, 54, or his 50th home run, as you said, Jason. Uh, Brandon Moro's crazy, complete game, 17 strikeout game back against the Rays in 2010. There's a lot of good memories from this team. But Josh Donaldson trade really changed the perception of the Blue Jays and the organization. Bautista and Edwin started building that. Josh Donaldson put it over the top and became that guy who this franchise dearly needed. And I will always remember that night that it broke. It was fantastic. I I think I stayed up until he's 1 or 2 a.m. watching endless Josh Donaldson highlights, and I could not wait for the season to start. So all very good memories, gentlemen. It has been, you know what, I will wrap up by saying this. Despite all the lows earlier in the 2010s, this decade of Blue Jays baseball has been exciting. I would say probably from 2013 to maybe way through 2017, we had some pretty exciting seasons. Whether they ended up all not working out, like 2013, 2014 when they were in first place and in the wild card spot into August, or 2017 when they were three back in August and didn't end up making it and kind of fell off a cliff. There's been some pretty exciting moments this past decade at Blue Jays baseball, which by far beats out the previous decade. So hopefully, gentlemen, this trade uh, or the signing of Hunjin Ryu, the Royal Youth Uprising that Scott Boris saying is going to lead to a very fruitful next decade of Blue Jays baseball. Oh, that was a lot. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Can I, um, I mean, go ahead, Jason, I'll let you go first. Oh, no, I was just um, <laughs> yeah. laughing at uh, Brenda's play. <laughs> I thought you were going to say it. So, um, I'm what, getting all emotional. So are we going to get into, like, now this being, like, our decade of di- dynasty? <laughs> decade of decadence <laughs> after being a con- good now? <laughs> I think I just named the title of this episode. <laughs> Oh, yeah. That's so, the title. <laughs> I think that's hilarious that you said that thing about David Price because earlier in the year I got called insane on another podcast for saying that by the end of twenty fifth or by the trade deadline twenty fifteen, Troy Tulowitzki will be a Blue Jay. I said that in spring training. <laughs> oh man. It's on file. I won't say which podcast. Hey, absolutely <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> you so, gotta dig that up and post it for the listeners, buddy. Yeah, it was one of those big uh the bull predict- predictions for the twenty you know fifteen season, and I said we will not have Jose Reyes, and we will have Troy Tulinski as a shortstop. <laughs> oh, you called that! You called that! <laughs> it worked out well for us. No, it? it sure did. It meant to some pretty exciting times in twenty fifteen and twenty sixteen, even though it didn't get done. But gentlemen, this has been a great episode. Jason Lee, can't thank you enough for making the time, as always, for joining us. Uh, any final remarks on your part, anything you want to plug and promote uh, before we end things with our usual Let's Go Blue Jays? <laughs> First off, uh, yeah, just thank you for having me, guys. It's always an incredible time chatting with you guys, catching up. And, um, yeah, it's just an incredibly fun time. Um, I guess um, if you for the listeners, you guys could check my latest article on Engine View. I kind of went behind the scenes of how, how he got the call from Scott Boris, uh, what offers he had from other teams, 
So it's just really interesting article that you guys could check out if you're um, still craving more Hyunjin Ryu news. Uh, but other than that, um, I'll still be with Jay's Journal this year. And yeah, I just hope to provide uh, lots of good insight regarding our favorite team. Keep up the good work, buddy. We always love reading your stuff, your radio, your radio appearances and hits. Keep up the great stuff. You're providing good content over there at Jay's Journal, and we'll continue to have you on the show. Craig, anything, uh, anything you want to wrap up with? Um, yeah, I think I'm good for a change. <laughs> <laughs> well, then, why don't we all give our Let's Go Blue Jays. Let's Go Blue Jays. Let's Go Blue Jays. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.